Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Before we pray, can we read these um, verses from the Bible first? It's from 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-5. It should be on the prayer guide. Okay, there it is. Okay, let's read it together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jenny's testimony and how you can save us wherever situation we are in. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came to desert, to give up his life for us, to save us from sin. Lord, you are God who is full of mercy and grace. And there is no way we can ever repay you. Lord, we just want to thank you. And we just want to thank you for the hope that has come to our life because of sacrifice that Jesus Christ had made. On this earth. And Lord, we just want to lift up Uganda, especially pastors who serve there, who, in the midst of lack of resources such as study Bible, who put their hope in you, Lord, to reach out to people who are desperate, impoverished, but still knowing that you are their God. So I pray for those pastors that even now, Lord, that you may bless them, that their hope will not fade. But Lord, in the midst of such a lacking of everything, that you will just grant them faith to trust you in all situations and circumstances. And I also want to lift up Haiti, Lord, where Jenny will be going in the next few months after the great earthquake, and even they're devastated by cholera. And I pray, God, in the midst of suffering, that they will not lose hope in you, Lord. And I pray, as you are God to all of us, that you will raise up people like us to reach out, to help those who are in need. God, we know that you are God of hope. And I pray that that hope can be displayed not only in here, but throughout this world, especially in Uganda and in Haiti. We just thank you for this time of worship. And may our hearts be open to you, Lord, this morning, that we may give you our all. We thank you once again for Jesus Christ, who was born for our sin, to give us salvation. We pray all these things, in precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's uh, T-minus six days to Christmas Day. Are you guys ready? It's hard to believe. 
I've lived long enough to know that there's certain guarantees in my Christmas celebration. The first guarantee is it's going to be a busy season. There's tons of holiday parties going on, reconnecting with old friends, family gatherings. Uh, The festivities are great, but it's a chaotic time. Another guarantee is that my mom is going to bake up to 150 dozen Christmas cookies. I am not exaggerating one bit here. And this is her thing. She gives them away to other people. Our family does not eat all the cookies. And another guarantee is I'm going to get a few presents and uh, maybe a gift card or two. And I don't know about you, but when I get a gift card, it's hard for me not to want to go out that day and spend it. I'm not greedy, but just when I get a gift card, I want to use it right away. How many people in the room, when you get a gift card, within the first week you go out and use it? Let's be honest. There's only a few of you. Man, I feel so greedy. Okay. As, as Christmas has approached this year, one question that I've been thinking about is, is it a guarantee that I will experience Christ this Christmas season? I've been thinking a lot about that question. And my fear is in the busyness, I will miss the one who this is all about. Will I let the cultural facade of Christmas replace a personal encounter with Jesus? This is why we as a church have been doing this thing called Christmas Inside Out. We have lots of different initiatives around preparing our hearts to meet with Jesus. I've been very blessed by the prayer guide. I mean, it's a very simple way to seek God in prayer this season. Or for us to go out and serve our neighbors who are in need. And as we took the special offering today to partner with what God is doing around this world. As as I've thought more about this question, will I encounter Christ this Christmas? I think often I make my life with God too complicated. And preparing for this message has really helped me uh, to think of Christmas in a more simple way. My prayer this morning is that we, as we look at the Christmas story, and specifically the life of Mary, uh, that God would speak to us afresh and call us back to himself with a very simple faith, a faith of wonder and a faith of worship before our great God. So let's, let's go to God right now in prayer together. God, we just want to thank you for how we've already have met with you this morning. In our time of praise and worship, just acknowledge that you are the one who is worthy. And God, even in our kids, to see their delight and their joy. This Christmas season is a gift. And to hear Jenny's testimony about how you have transformed her life, God. We love that you are a God who keeps moving in this world. And right now, God, we pray that you would ready our hearts to meet with you again. That you would move in each one in this place right now through your word. 
And God, I just commend myself once again to you. I am your servant. I am your vessel. May you speak through me. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I truly believe that Mary is highly underappreciated in evangelical Christianity. We shy away from her because others go to the opposite extreme and give her great amounts of attention and even worship. And I feel like we as evangelicals have missed out on a woman of deep faith in God. As most of us know, Mary was a peasant girl from a very humble background. And scholars believe that she could have been as young as 13 years old. 13 years old. And in this young girl, we're going to see a woman who was strong, who was courageous, and who was available to God. And two elements of Mary's faith that I want to focus in on are how she lived a life of wonder and a life of worship before God. So the first point, like Mary, we are invited to a life of wonder before our great God. Think for a second, when is the last time that you had a moment of wonder? Yvonne and I got to spend a few days in the Smoky Mountains last month without the kids. That was wonder in itself. But whenever I'm in the mountains, I have this awestruck feeling that God is so big. His creation is so grand. And I feel those moments of wonder. And when I'm in those moments of wonder, I feel joy. I feel delight and a sense of freedom in my smallness. When I think of wonder in kind of our natural world, I think of little things like snow and photosynthesis and rainbows and coffee. What a gift from God coffee is. It's probably the only amen I'll get today. <laughs> I think of amazing moments of wonder in the human story. A first date, graduating from college, that first apartment away from home, holding a newborn baby. Moments of sheer wonder. And then I think of wonder in the spiritual world. To see a person's life transformed by the power of the gospel. To watch a relationship healed by the grace of God. Or to see someone face death with confidence and peace because of their faith in Christ. All these things that if you give time to stop and appreciate them are truly miraculous, amazing, and wondrous. And wonder in our faith invites us to be curious, amazed, to treasure the works of God. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary is literally ambushed by the angel Gabriel. Out of nowhere, a messenger of God appears to declare extraordinary things. And right away, we enter into the tension that Mary is feeling. The angel speaks words of blessing. Greetings, you who are highly favored. In a word of comfort, the Lord is with you. But then the next verse says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's not surprising to hear that Mary was greatly troubled. Who of us, if an angel showed up in our house tonight, would not have soiled pants? Come on, let's be honest. What is surprising is is that the text says that Mary wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Even amidst fear, Mary enters into the moment. She does not run away, and she's trying to figure out what is going on. So continuing in verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? As she listens to the angel telling her about conceiving and giving birth to the special boy, that he will be great, the son of the Most High, and a ruler whose kingdom will never end. She gets tripped up on one little detail, and she can't help but speak up. Excuse me, Mr. Gabriel. I know I'm young, but I'm old enough to know that certain things need to happen for a baby to be made, and those things have not happened to me. So I'm just asking how How can this be? Mary didn't resist Gabriel or chide back at him. She entered in the wonder of what was going on. Wonder asks the question, how can this be? She was just plain curious how this is all going to work out. And wonder leads us to be curious before God. I think many of us push away wonder because there's fear in the unknown. Rather than be curious, we long for control. We like to micromanage. We like things that are black and white, things that we can figure out. Okay, I'm a little weird, but I love Excel spreadsheets. I have no, so many different spreadsheets for different areas of my life. It's really sick. But the reason why I like them so much is that I feel in charge. I feel in control when I have a plan and a structure. And I think there's good in having a plan and having structure. 
But when we bring this kind of mentality and control to our relationship with God, we lose the wonder of our faith. Our faith should involve being curious, asking God good questions, pondering deeply, and not always expecting an easy answer. Joshua is now four and a half years old, and he's at that age where he's asking a lot of questions. A lot of them beginning with the word, why? Why, daddy? Why, mommy? And each night, we read him books before he goes to bed. And it's hard to get through a single page without getting bombarded with half a dozen questions. And in those moments, I get really frustrated at times because I want to get him to bed so I can carry on with the rest of the evening. But in those moments of frustration as a father, I've sensed the Holy Spirit's conviction. I felt God speaking to me, Jared, do not kill wonder in this little boy. Let him ask questions. Let him be curious. Let him live a life of wonder. And even now as I think about my struggle with wonder In my relationship with God, I feel like God's saying, learn from your children how to live a life of wonder before me. I feel like when we get grown up, we stop asking God questions. And I love the questions that kids ask God. There's just a deep honesty. It's very raw. They're not afraid to be curious before God. So I found a few online. Neil asked God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay, God? Robert, dear God, I'm American. What are you? I love Joyce's honesty here. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. And finally, Larry Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. I think for those of us who struggle with wonder and amazement before God, we need to get around children and let them be our teachers. Let's not kill wonder in our kids, but rather learn from them this forgotten gift. If you don't have kids or young kids at home anymore, you can always serve in the Seeds ministry. They're always looking for more help. Jeannie owes me one. (laughs) Another thing is wonder leads us to be amazed before God. As Mary receives news from the angel, her very predictable life is completely shattered. She is no longer a simple peasant girl. But in her womb, she will carry the Savior of the world. Everything has changed for Mary. Mary is entering into the story of a big God who has much bigger plans than she could ever dream of. And she enters into it with a heart that is amazed before God. Later in Luke 1, Mary Mary sings a song of praise. Before God. And here's one of the the verses. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy 
is his name. Wonder calls us to remember that God is the mighty one. He is not manageable or predictable. His ways are surprising and often unbelievable. He is the wonder of all wonders. And when we encounter him, we will be amazed at who he is. A God of power and glory who does great things in this world. When God shows up and does mighty things in our life, we need to hold on to them and treasure them. And this is what Mary did. She treasured the God moments in her life. After Jesus was born, it says in Luke 2, 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I don't think they had scrapbooking back then, so Mary had to hold on to these things in her heart. And she reflected deeply on them. Mary clung to the God moments in her life and did not let them go. And for us today to live a life of wonder before God, we need to hold on to and treasure the times when God shows up in our life. And on Tuesdays during our staff meeting, the first thing that we do is share God's stories. Moments where we see God at work in harvest and in our lives. This Tuesday, I, I shared about um, our recent visit to Friendship Village and how that was a God moment for me. It was the first time that Yvonne and I got to serve with our son, Joshua. It's a moment I will never forget for the rest of my life. When it came to the singing time, he didn't really show up much for that part. It's more like his daddy there. But I was so proud of him as he went up to and engaged the elderly residents. He didn't shy away in fear, but he was strong and courageous in that moment. We took him out afterwards and got him a treat and just said, Joshua, we are so proud of you. This is the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. Way to go, Joshua. That was a moment that I will treasure forever. We're nearing the end of 2010. And if you're like me, it's easy to look ahead to 2011. But I would encourage you to carve out some time in the next few weeks and look, at, look back at 2010 from a perspective of wonder. Treasure and hold on to the great things that God has done in your life in the past year. The ways that he surprised you ambushed you with his love. And even in the areas that are painful and difficult and hard, come to God with a heart of wonder. God, what are you up to in this painful relationship? I don't know what to do, but I want to come before you with a heart of wonder. And I want to believe that you're going to do something great in this pain. Treasure and hold on to dearly what God has done in your life. Mary lived a life of wonder. She was curious, amazed, and treasured the great things that God was doing. She also lived a life of worship before God. So like Mary, we are invited to a life of worship Imagine the circumstances that Mary is in. 
even though she has gotten this amazing news, here's her reality. She is a young girl pledged to be married. And now she's being told that she is pregnant. I mean, in our highly post-Christian society, pregnancy out of wedlock is still a cultural no-no. Imagine what it was like for Mary back then. Not only could Joseph have divorced her, but her father could have disowned her, leaving her to a life of begging or even prostitution. Her identity and reputation, her future marriage to Joseph, her very own body was all on the line. There was a lot at stake for this young girl. And as we look at her response to the angel, I am blown away by this woman's faith. I'm currently reading through the book of Exodus. So I recently read uh, Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. Moses tries every trick in the book to get out of God's assignment for him. Check these out. I feel a little bad because I'm ripping on Moses here. So. But he said to God in Exodus 3.11, Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Exodus 3.13, Suppose I go. Suppose I go, God. Exodus 4.1, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And then it really starts to heat up here. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And finally, it doesn't get any clearer than this. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I now have this image in my head when I get to heaven. I'll be walking along and I bump into Moses. He's going to look me in the eye and say, December 19, 2010. Thanks a lot, bro. Thanks a lot. That's one thing I love about the scriptures. God uses weak and inadequate and struggling people to carry out his mission. But let's look at Mary's response to Gabriel. She simply says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary comes to the point where she needs to respond. And there's no excuses. No, who am I? Suppose I do this. What will people say? There's no hesitation. Simply, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. Mary chose to fully yield herself to God. And his plans in this moment. And this, this is worship. Worship is full surrender to God. Worship says to God every day, I am your servant. I am fully yours. Take all of me. Worship is not just a Sunday morning event. It is the yielding of one's life, heart, mind, 
soul, and strength to say yes to God every single day and offer everything up to him. Worship does not look at yourself, but to the one who is worthy of the worship. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about him. How surrendered is your life these days to God? How fully yielded are you? As I've been thinking about Mary, I wonder how much she taught her son Jesus about surrender. Growing up under the care of a woman who says, I am the Lord's servant, whatever you say, God, let it be, has to have an impact on a child. When you look ahead into the life of Jesus, remember his critical moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you think about the words of surrender that Jesus offers the Father that day, how similar they are to Mary's words to Gabriel. Jesus said to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. I think this is one of the most powerful prayers of surrender that we can pray every single day. Not my will, God, but your will be done in my life. It's not about me. It's all about you. I will yield. I will surrender. I am the Lord's servant. I will worship And I really believe this life of full surrender to Jesus is the best way to live. And God is asking that of us today. He's inviting us to a life of full surrender before him. And a life of wonder to be amazed at who he is. As I thought more about Christmas this year, The question I am now thinking about is, Jared, what gift will you give God this Christmas? What gift will you bring before your king, Jesus? When I look at the life of Mary, I think the gifts of wonder and full surrender are two of the best gifts I can give to God. Not just at Christmas, but every single day. Will you give God the gift of your wonder? To be amazed. To be curious. To treasure the great things he's doing in your life. Will you give God the gift of worship? Full surrender every single day. Not my will but yours be done. I am your servant. One way to engage in wonder this week is to read through Luke 1 and 2, the story of the first Christmas, and to ask God to give you the eyes of a child, give you a heart of wonder as you read the Christmas story as you soak it in and remember God's great love for you, that he would put on flesh to come and rescue you and me.
That's an amazing, wondrous story. And it's true. And full surrender invites us to be available to God and to join in on his mission. We're in the midst of putting together a serving catalog that you're going to get in January. It's going to highlight all the ways to serve around Chicagoland through our partner organizations. And I know it'll be easy when you receive that at a Sunday service to push it aside and say, I am too busy for anything else. But I'd encourage you to look through that and pray the prayer, not my will, God, but yours be done. I will surrender. You lead me to what I need to be about. And finally, in a few moments, we're going to go back and worship through song together. When Mary went to visit Elizabeth, she burst into a song of praise before God. Will you come to this time of praise with a heart that is fully surrendered? This passionate and seeking to love God with all your strength. and To say to God, I will surrender once again to you. I want to give you a few moments to quietly reflect and think about what gift will you give God this Christmas? Come to him and ask him, God, what gift do you want from me? Will he get your wonder? Will he get your full surrender and worship? What does he want from you? I just want to read for you Mary's song in Luke 1. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God, forgive us for the times when we try to control you and to manage you and to think that you are predictable or that we have you figured out. God, thank you that right now you're calling us to yourself. You're calling us to be amazed at who you are, that you do great things for your kingdom in this world. You've done great things in our lives. And God, may you find us to be humble. God, may you humble us right now in this moment. May you find us to be servants, people who are fully surrendered. And say, what, whatever you say, God, we will do. God, we're so thankful that you invite us to this great life.
of your kingdom. That you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you have saved and rescued us through your son, Jesus. We want to say, God, we love you. We worship you now. We want to give you back our lives and our worship. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.